If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. On a Paul's Big Wednesday, been a good one so far. Florida State uh, remained at four in last night's reveal of the rankings. Not that that matters all that much, but I think it does for some people. And then we continue to watch other rivals' classes fall apart while Whisper is an improved status of Florida State's class. And a game in which we get to salute so many of those this weekend that uh, helped uh, engineer this turnaround. I think it will be a nice day. To, uh, to to say thank you to uh, those players. It is hard to believe, Tom. I, I saw a lot of people mention this, but it is hard to believe that this is Jordan Travis's last game at Doe Campbell Stadium. And while we can certainly celebrate the lot of the players that have made a huge impact on this turnaround, none bigger than Jordan Travis. There's no getting around that. We talked about that on some of the headlines yesterday. I mean, holy moly, uh, what that guy was able to do, not only for the program, but for himself when you think about where he was as a quarterback to where he is now. Yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, while he might not be top three in terms of best quarterbacks, or even top five, you can make an argument in terms of best quarterbacks to come play at Florida oh, State. Oh, Florida State, right, yeah. He's easily in the top three of the most important quarterbacks in the program's history, easily in my mind. I mean, you just you look at the transition of what he arrived into what he helped emerge us out of. And frankly, you know, this past offseason, you don't get Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell without Jordan Travis returning. You don't. They don't come here. And how much has Keon Coleman meant to this, you know, this program this season? Huge amount. Jaheim Bell, too. It's just 
you know, he doesn't have the the accolades in terms of the highlights that Keon does. That's a really important player. And if we're going to go into the playoff and and maybe from one round to the next, Jaheim Bell is going to be a huge factor into it. So, uh, and that's to say nothing of Jared Verse returning or, or Trey Benson. I think it's contagious when the quarterback says, I'm coming back for one more year. You talk about finishing the job. He helped us emerge from the problems that we were in. One-dimensional as he was or, or limited in that second dimension. He helped us emerge and find respectability. He helped take this offense to a place that could win 10 games. And then he had the effect of, if I'm coming back, then all these other guys want to come play with me. He's just He's critically important. To what Florida State is is turning into, and he should be saluted for all of that, and then some. It's fascinating because we'll all at once miss Jordan Travis and the things that he's provided this program, and the turnaround, and all of the things you just said are absolutely accurate. But because the program that he's leaving is now on stable ground, you can't help but peek ahead and begin to wonder who fills those mighty large shoes and how exciting that will be. Uh, even in the glory years when Florida State was dominating college football and was a perennial top four power and playing for national championships annually, I always looked forward to senior day because I couldn't wait to see the next crop of guys that were going to take over. It had less to do with saying sayonara to them, and you know, it, 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 there was no good rin, riddance sentiment to this. It was just more, hey, man, we're doing really well and bringing in this caliber of player again and can't wait to see this guy's upside and what he's going to be now that he gets a chance. And that kind of goes for quarterback. That goes for this whole team. Where this program is headed, you know, we've been fortunate enough to see an awful lot of practice, and we know there are some really good players behind the ones that get to play every week on Saturdays. And we know there's a whole bunch of kids coming in. And then to say nothing of the fact that annually they've been able to go out and get people – and the transfer portal that are elite difference makers. Keon Coleman, uh, the latest of the extreme difference makers, obviously, uh, that we've been able to bring in here. So I don't think this year will be any different. And now that you have stable footing, you realize that even though you transition from a kid who, at his best, is truly elite at the at that position, you you have more stability around that position now going into next year than you've had in a long time. Uh, yeah, they've got holes to fill, and we certainly recognize that this offensive and defensive line, it's going to be very telling who stays, who goes, who are you able to retain. Battlesin.com, ladies and gentlemen, the battlesin.com. You're going to want to go check it out. I, I say it all the time. Hey, listen, I, I know that uh, there are rules to this situation, uh, but let me tell you something right now. Jeremiah Smith, the wide receiver of whom we referenced last hour, is not contemplating switching his commitment from Ohio State to Florida State if there are no opportunities for him at Florida State that have nothing to do with football, right? I mean, you, you understand we're not children. We get how this all works. It's because you have a good coach, a great staff, uh, an upwardly mobile plan in place for Florida State to succeed for the long term, great fans, sold-out stadiums, high-profile games, and wins that he's thinking about. It. But what else is there? Oh, that's right. I just saw it play out before my eyes. I just watched Jordan Travis come back. I just saw Jared Verse come back. I just saw Johnny Wilson come back. I just saw all these guys find their way back to Tallahassee for another year to make this run possible. I wonder if I'm Jeremiah Smith or any other player why that was. Well, clearly, I'm going to go through the many reasons, some of which is great culture, great head coach, 
Go Campbell Stadium, the wins, et cetera, the region of the country, but also because, you know, they're getting paid like $500,000 or more to do so. That's how it works. So when I bring up the battles in or we bring up how well organized this whole situation at Florida State is, it's what speaks to that bright future. It's not just on the field, it's off the field. We've got a lot of things in place right now. And that is yet another reason that we could address a larger topic that was brought up yesterday and the day before, and that is Mike Norvell and his time at Florida State and how much longer will he be here? Would he ever entertain going for another job? Listen, get used to his name being mentioned for every open job. These are wish lists. These are put out by media that follow that program. These are boosters that whisper names to these media that follow that program of people that they'd like to see on the sidelines of their beloved university. doesn't even have to be realistic. You're going to hear this pretty much the same five, six, seven names over and over and over again. Dan Lanning's name is going to come up no matter how emphatic his denial about being interested in any other job not named Oregon, he is. It's going to come up for the next big job that opens up because he's a great coach, and he's young, and he can recruit, and guys love playing for him. He's aggressive. These are same. These are the same kind of qualities that Mike Norvell has. He's young. He's aggressive. Guys like playing for him. He's winning. He's all of those things. He's charismatic. His name is going to come up over and over and over again. Fret not because to me – The only job that Mike Norvell would consider leaving Florida State for. Now, again, there are outliers to these conversations. If a program was as dumb as, say, that program, Texas A&M, to bid against themselves and pay three times market value for a Jimmy Sexton client to come in and take the reins because of desperation, like they did with Jimbo Fisher, despite overwhelming evidence that there were problems on and off the field for that guy. He wasn't exactly trending in the right direction at his time at Florida State. Everybody forgets Jimbo Fisher was 5-6 and six in his final year at Florida State, yet A&M was certain that he was the guy to finally land that godforsaken, never-before-grasp-in-the-modern-era national championship trophy, right? That's what they thought. They ignored all the warning signs. Anyhow. And they went out there and then they bid against themselves and they gave him an extension and pay raise that made zero sense. But short of something absurd like that, the only job I think Mike Norvell would really consider at this point leaving Florida State for would be one of the handful of the all-time great jobs in college football. So, you know, because that's where Florida State's at. It's a top 10 program in terms of jobs and and where you want to work. It's a destination job. It's not a stepping stone job. So would he ever consider, and I don't know the answer to this, but would he ever consider a Michigan, Ohio State, an Alabama, uh, a Notre Dame, or something like that, right? Those would be the kinds of schools where if his name came up for those jobs, if those positions were open, you'd maybe have to consider that that's a possibility, that he would maybe think about it, right? Right. Like if the Texas job came open, he's from Texas. Yeah. If if some if that job came open, would he maybe consider going to Texas? Perhaps, perhaps. Well, he might. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that his name is going to be mentioned more and more beyond the wins and the losses. You can add this to the 
to the ledger of things he's done successfully in Tallahassee, and I'll return it to Jordan briefly. Development has been a knock on Florida State. They're a portal-only program. You know, this is how they're they're finding the easy way, the cut-through way to succeed on the field. And while we are leaning on the portal in this transitional period coming out of the muck, that is true. There are more and more examples by the week that are emerging of guys who were developed under this staff. Maybe they didn't even start here. Maybe they're multi-year transfers like a Johnny Wilson. Johnny was a raw product who could block before he got here. Notice how much better he is with the hands catching this season. And he's gotten a hell of a lot better. I know he fought one off this past weekend, but the consistency factor from him has gone to a different place. He's a better player. But Jordan's the best example. Jordan is easily the best example of development. He came from a broken program at Louisville. He arrived in Tallahassee to a broken program under Willie Taggart. He thought about switching positions, and, and we know the story. Yeah, we know the story, yeah. But underneath Mike Norvell's leadership, Kenning Dillingham helped save his confidence, and then Tony Tokars helped develop his game along with Mike Norvell every step of the way. So you're talking about a quarterback who was an afterthought and is now in the top six right now. I mean, if you're trying to find real value, you're hoping some other guys fall by the wayside. And he's in that top six or so in terms of Heisman futures. Like, how does that go? How does one go from the place Jordan was to the place he is? Yeah, that's coaching. Yeah, it's development. Yeah, development. Florida State has other stories like that, like Renardo Green, who's going to be walking this Saturday for senior day. You talk about development. That guy last year was somebody we were hoping wouldn't make the starting rotation at corner because it would be a sign of weakness for the program. Well, not only did that change by the season's end, halfway through the season really when Amari and Cooper proved to be a failure and he didn't take that next step. Well, this year he was your number one corner even when Fentrell Cypress came in from Virginia. Yeah, you know? and I would and I would point out, Tom, by the way, while you're there in that segment group, Zaria Thomas is playing well. Yep, and that is a recruit that Florida State brought in and has developed, and is in second his second year, and he plays a ton, and you can see sky's the limit for where that kid's going. By next year, he's going to be an elite corner. Yeah, and this is where again you take a look. They've got an eye for talent. He's already told you that because he's turned some three stars and or afterthoughts in the portal into real players because they saw what they could be. Not everybody was on Jared Verse, but anytime we make an offer to a defensive end in the JUCO ranks or the <laughs> FCS ranks, I guarantee you the offers from the other schools are going to fly. They're going to fly left and right because they see that we see something in them. Brilliant offensive mind, excellent recruiter, add developer of talent, add developer of yeah. talent to that list, and that's why he's going to be on everybody's hot board forevermore while he's at Florida State. Young and energetic helps, and, uh, and, and, and this is a tough job. It pays handsomely, but you've got to be really willing. That's one of the things. You get back to Kirby Smart and what he's been able to do at Georgia that so many before him couldn't do. And obviously he learned a lot working for Nick Saban, and he took that formula and he brought it to Georgia, and now he's used it against the rest of the SEC, including Nick Saban in Alabama, and Georgia is now the top dog. But one of the things that doesn't get mentioned, it's not just the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that he figured out. It's not just putting together an organization and having proper synergy and everybody pulling in the same direction. And you know, It's hard-ass work in recruiting. It's the willingness to go to war in recruiting and to love it and to embrace it. And so the biggest step for Mike as a college football coach is what we're seeing right now with this high school recruiting class. This was absolutely paramount. He had to prove that he could do that. We knew he could do the portal. This class coming up is proving so much more, and that is 
huge. His reputation's already good and was getting better. It will grow exponentially now with this recruiting class. Because now if you're another college and you say you want to try to woo him and bring him in, you know he can get kids out of the high school ranks. It's not all portal, as you're pointing out. Now, again, Florida State's an awesome job. So for me to even have my agent pick up the phone, other than for use of leverage, for another job, it has to be at one of these other all-time places, or, or, and I don't know his aspirations on this, he's not told me this, I'm sure I could ask him, uh, I don't know if he desires to someday be a coach in the NFL, that I don't know. You know, some guys have no desire, they they, they want to be a college coach, they, they like college towns, they like the job description a little bit more in college, as opposed to the NFL, others are just biding their time in college till they can get to the NFL. And that changes because of the rules and the way things work and salary and all that other stuff. Some guys only wanted to be in college and now find it to be untenable and might as well go take their services to the NFL. Others have never wanted to be in the NFL and will only work in college. I don't know where Mike sits on that, but you know, I really wouldn't worry about it. But just I, I say this because when at the beginning of this week, we found out Jimbo Fisher was being fired. Some outlets reported that Mike was a candidate. Well, I guess, but that candidacy sounded more like a wish list from a booster that was handed to a reporter who's writing a story about the job vacancy than it did a realistic expectation that Texas A&M was going to interview and try to hire Mike Norvell. That seems far-fetched to me. Yeah, I think as it pertains to the NFL discussion, I think that yeah, I could see him. Well, I know I could see him as the type of person who would be an NFL leader of an organization, but that's the thing that he would have to wait for. I don't think that you go from a position where you lead a group of five program that somebody had already kind of fixed. Mm -hmm. Then you take it to that level, you sustain it, maybe you improve it just a little bit. Then you take over a power five blue blood of the last 50 years. Right? We're getting yeah. into that. It's been 50 years now yeah. for crying out loud. You take them from the doldrums, so now on the precipice of the college football playoff, you don't do all of that to cash in your chips to be a head coach at the NFL level where you don't make roster decisions. Because like as a college head coach, you make those decisions. You have full control over the circumstances by which you will be extended or fired. Yeah. I don't think that you take all that momentum, run to the league, and then hope that Jason Light or some such general manager makes the right picks to ensure that you're going to be okay, that you're going to get that next contract. So. I don't think the professional ranks are a concern for some time. If he does this for another five to 10 years, then maybe we'll get that opportunity. Yeah, he'll get that opportunity. And you're right. He's only what, 42. So yeah. that that's, yeah, he's got plenty of time. I, I, I think if you're in a situation like he's in at Florida state, you're winning games. You've won the fans over. Clearly you're now getting players both from the portal and the high school ranks. So now you have the high school connections that allow you to infuse life in this roster through two different, uh, two different avenues that are going to guarantee success. Right now, you've got that going. You needed to get that going. You need to get that pipeline of player going. There's a certain caliber of player that you can't get in the portal consistently that you can get in the high school ranks. So that was of vital importance, and he's now got that going. Man, I don't know why you want to leave that. You can make gobs of money. He's beloved by this fan base. You get to coach at this place. I it remove any of our affinity for Florida State, whether it's because of your time. If you're listening to this, 
you know, whether you went to school here, or you grew up here, or you just like the program, for whatever reasons that you're connected to Florida State, family connections, whatever it is, remove all of that built-in affinity you have and just objectively pan back for a second and think about the jobs in college football. If you love the sport and you, you look at the big picture, you look at all of it, think of all the jobs in the world of college football. There ain't many that you're going to call out before you choose Florida State's name as the place you would go if you could pick any college to be a head coach at. There just isn't. I mean, like, again, trying to shelve my love of Florida State. How many places would I want to go to? You got to consider all the factors. Now, let's just say I'm a great coach and I got the pick of the litter. And I have the knowledge that I have of college football history, obviously. How many? I mean, it goes to what region of the country you want to live in. It goes to which fan bases you respect in terms of consistency, loyalty, sellouts, stadium, you know, all that. So we're talking about facilities. It goes to ability to recruit in said job, right? Because you got to be able to get players there. Are there seven places? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know the, I don't want to li- listen. I've been to Ann Arbor. I don't want to live in Ann Arbor. Nothing against it. It's fine. It's cold. I'm not living in Ann Arbor. Do I want to go? I can't win a national championship at Notre Dame. I'm not going to Notre Dame. Can't win a championship there. I want to win a championship. Would I go to Texas or Oklahoma? Yes. Before Florida State? Eh, probably not. Uh, okay, again, if we're being objective, Florida, Florida State, you'd go to either one of those two. You wouldn't even consider Miami at this point. You'd go to you'd go to Alabama, you'd go to Georgia, you'd go to Texas, you'd go to Oklahoma. You might go to Southern California if that's your flair. They got more money than they know what to do with, and you could certainly work the NIL angle. Um I think we're about out. I don't want to live in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. No, this is uh it, it doesn't get much better than here. I'll be interested to see, you know, how what the next steps are, you know, in, in, in his era because Every coach has like a, they have different personalities as they go in time. I, I was struck by that when uh, Coach Bowden passed away a couple of years ago, and I really got to see a lot more of the footage. You know, like it was out there, but I never took the time to watch some of the documentaries and and some of the access to the sidelines that you saw from the '70s or the '80s with Bobby and how different he was than the guy I came on campus to see when I was a, a freshman, or even when I visited my sister uh, in 1993 or 1994. Mm. Like they take on different, you know. Um, personalities there are different chapters to who they are and mike right now is the young energetic mike norvell but you can see the ceo forming within him absolutely like you can see, yeah and it's necessary he now the, yeah he sets up the organization any chance he gets he talks about you know continued commitment like he's starting to use political words like that like so you're starting to see him go from the guy who kids around with the players to there's a there's a divide in terms of the the age groups I'm just fascinated to see what that next chapter looks like because the first one, as we close Doe Campbell in a weird way, in the old fashion, they're going to get all the, the executive suites and stuff. Like This is kind of the end of an era for Doke and Florida State this weekend in Tallahassee. On the other side of it, hopefully, is a college football playoff berth, but then it's just about expectations. It's no longer the, the journey to the top. It's about finishing the job. I want to see how he how he develops. And and that personality of the next iteration of his career, I think will will tell us along a lot about what he wants, what he aspires to do, whether that's in the college game or the pro game. The the reason that I yes, and first of all, over due time, all of the coaches, 
uh, turn into CEO coaches eventually because you end up, if you dominate and do well, you end up having to run an empire that gets much greater than what it was before you arrived. You know, like the, the things that you have to do after winning championships are very different than the things you were doing while trying to climb towards winning them. The responsibilities you have to take on, the, the stuff off the field that you have to deal with becomes greater and greater and greater. And so you have to become a CEO. Now, you can still have your hands on aspects of the program with the X's and O's. You still be a play caller, but a lot of those interactions that you're talking about change dramatically uh, in terms of hamming it up with players and talking with assistants. and all. It, it just becomes this other thing. It's, it's massive. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. You don't have to be beautiful. Jeff, is there going to be an emotional Jimbo tribute on Coach Peak this week? Three or four plays away from being in the playoff? <laughs> oh, Jimbo. Is that what he actually said? That he's three or four plays away? Come on, man. Appreciate you, P. Simpson. Yeah, I do wonder, just out of curiosity, first of all, do you think Jimbo was extended the offer to be here? Ooh. That's my question. Do you think Jimbo was extended the offer to be here to salute the 2013 national championship team? It would stand to reason that you would offer him, extend that offer to him to come. I'm not, I'm not saying he'd take it, but uh, you know, he, he was the architect. What's the, uh, the term that was coined by, well, at least for me, Kirby enthusiasm empty gesture mm. was, you know if there's anything i could do and they said well yeah sure there is he's like no 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 no. yeah yeah i didn't actually want to do it it's an empty gesture yeah an empty gesture yeah i think that that would probably be it it's for the best of you don't want the crowd reaction when they announce his name like you don't need that nobody needs well that. he, he now, doesn't need that um he, he he certainly doesn't need that <laughs> he's had a tough week and and then you put the players in a position of having to defend Jimbo versus the crowd that's on. Like, man, you, you just don't need any of that nonsense. So maybe maybe you send an email. Maybe you don't even make a phone call. Maybe you just send an email knowing that he doesn't read emails because that's technology and stuff. So, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think it's hard. I think that's a, you're, you're in between a rock and a hard place. Uh, 
he was the head coach of a team that yep. went undefeated and won the national title. And you, you kind of feel like you'd have to invite the head coach of the team that did that. He recruited those players. But at the same time, all of the things you just pointed out are absolutely correct. That crowd would boo him. That would be a showering of boos. And it would be awkward for the players that are down on the field being honored for that achievement. It would suck. Uh, I think, frankly, a responsible adult in that situation, you know, the elder in that situation would say, guys, I appreciate the offer. I don't want to take away from what these guys did. And I fear that my presence will become a distraction. Let them take the field, enjoy the adulation, and I appreciate you offering. I think he would have the, and does have the self-awareness to know that much. You know, there are things that Jimbo, you're like, man, do you see, do you hear yourself? I think he would, I think he would have the self-awareness. However, if he didn't, if he didn't, mm. I think the only way you could pull it off is if he walks out of the tunnel with Mike Norvell's arm around his shoulder. You know, you almost need a shield. <laughs> which uh, I don't think I would do if I were Mike. Which if you're Mike, I don't think you do, I but I, that do. would be the only way it works. If he does that and then he, and he does this number, like, come on now, come on now. You know, the, I think that would help. But it would there would still be a smattering to um, full throated Chicago boo going on, where you, you there would have to be I don't <laughs> you'd almost have to have the PA announcer ready to go folks please please now okay thank you very much I think by the way that um, ten more years from now when they do the twenty year reunion he could come back and I don't you know I don't know what his choices are going to be from this point forward will he stay in coaching you, you think Jimbo's got it in him to go coach Troy. You know, like, what kinds of offers are we talking about here? Pro I don't know if his pride would let him do that. Does he stay away from the game for a year or two, which is probably what he needs to do, uh, and then get into it as an analyst or whatever it might be? I think – I don't think there's a job that's uh, beneath him. I, I, I don't think so, and, and and I don't mean that as a slight. I, I think he loves ball, and if, if he thinks that he could find joy in the basics of, of coaching ball, he might go lower-level college or – even a even a top flight. Well, money's certainly no older. problem. So yeah, you could go and do that if you, for the love of the game, because he has a love of the game. That's for sure. Yeah, I think you know as he gets older too. You know, maybe 10, 15 years from now, I could see him coaching a high school in West Virginia just because he, you know, for the hell of it. Uh, for now, though, I wonder. You know, the game has kind of passed him by a little bit on on the uh, in the college side. But would an NFL staff hire him for something? So this is something I've always said. He, you know, I did ask him if he ever wanted to coach in the NFL. Would he ever want to be an NFL head coach? And the funny thing is, I don't know if you ever heard that when I did ask him that question, Tom, because you always produced the, the the show that I did with him. Um, remember, it was odd because when I asked him the question, he was strangely thoughtful. He he didn't answer right away. He stopped and went, "Well, nah, nah," and then he and I was like, "Why?" And he thought about it some more. And he's like, I like college towns. Yeah. And he and he started to talk about how much he likes college towns. And and he even went on to say kind of little college towns is, is what he was saying. And 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 that's what he'd prefer. But I have said for a long time, from from a tempo standpoint, they run so fewer plays in the NFL than they do in college. And Jimbo wants to run fewer plays, which is his downfall to a large extent. As, as an offensive mind in the college game. I mean, short of having Jameis, that offense ended up becoming a mess. They never utilized their talent. More plays, not less plays, guys. 
which is, is something we don't do this year. We don't. Well, really we don't. Long. We don't. And it gets, he doesn't trust the offensive line. But there's, I, I would run a faster tempo too, and I hope we get to that place. But I always thought if you if you didn't want to deal with the nonsense off the field, and Jimbo wasn't good at it. That's another one of the criticisms I think is fair of me to lob his direction. He had a hard time with interaction. He didn't do well with other people. Yeah. <laughs> this is, a, you know, the, the speaking to other people in a respectful manner, the give and take of others in a position of authority. He didn't do it well. He didn't. It was his way or the highway, and it was only that way. All right. So what I find fascinating is he would be a good fit as an OC in the National Football League. Because the acumen for the game has never been in question. The understanding of the X's and O's and the leverage and all, he's always had it. So, it, and you wouldn't have to deal with any of that, right? You go to practice yeah. every day. You coach football. It's those guys' jobs. They're paid handsomely to learn football from you. And you implement an offense and you go. It would be perfect for him. Yeah, I could see him as an NFL offensive coordinator or even a college offensive coordinator in the right situation because he's a badass recruiter. He hasn't been able to get on the trail in a long time in the way that, that coordinators can do so, but I think he'd be a weapon on the trail. I mean, you know, that's been something that's been consistent. I don't think it's all collective work in the latter portion of his career. He, you know, he pisses off head coaches in high school ranks, but the kids still say yes to him. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there, there are some whispers that uh, Texas head coaches were so tired of him uh, by the time. And that's part of the reason that they said, all right, you got to get out of here because this is a very political state. And I'm not talking about red versus blue. I'm talking about high schools, high schools yeah. and counties. And you can't be pissing off all these people, my man. Like, this is our... We got a pipeline and that's how we give you money. But then there's the pipeline of talent. You can't be doing that. But I think, you know, if he was – I saw somebody, R. Wilmer, put Penn State's offensive coordinator. Uh, that could be a, running 25 plays a game. Come on, man. <laughs> well, they already are. But, you know, their quarterback would be able to complete a forward pass at least. Like, that would happen. I'm getting him out of the college game. I, if I'm him, I'm going to the pros. And, by the way, you don't have to deal with all the, the – people talk about, like, the in-your-face stuff that happens in college. He's not in-your-face with a grown-ass man who's 33 years old playing offensive line for the Texans. He, he, that ain't happening. Uh, that that's a whole different deal. Head coaches yell at players and nobody else. <laughs> Defensive coordinators occasionally if they're rah-rah types. And and even then, you better have a good feel for your players in that situation. But most of these guys, this is a job. It is a business. Is You do your job or you get cut. I do my job, I get fired. This is all this is. This, this, this is about schematics. Right. And, yeah, the only reason you would get yelled at is because you don't do your job. So it's it solves the problem solves itself. Yeah. It's not just about the grown man element of it. You're not the head coach, so you don't get to set the tone. If a guy's not doing his job, he doesn't run the right route and a sight adjust. Well, yeah, man, that's an NFL receiver. You're allowed to dress him down for that. Yeah. But if he's there and he's professional, then you don't have to yell in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a it's a good fit personality wise. But does he still have the juice for it? I think that's oh, the other I would question. take if I. I mean, again, I I have no idea. I have not had a lengthy conversation with him in some time. I I have no idea where his head's at. It seems self evident he was not in a good place. He was not balanced. He was not in a healthy place at Texas A and M. You have all of the things you ever dreamt of having: money to throw at players, facilities that are second to none, uh, a a starved fan base that was willing to do anything for you to try to get this thing turned in the direction they want. And you still failed. And so 
to me, that that speaks to other problems, and I would think that you'd probably want to take a year or two for yourself. But who knows if he's ever going to come to that conclusion? I said that when he was here. It's been it's been a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> There's no evidence that says he's going to do that. Maybe he takes the Marshall gig when it comes open soon. Who knows? Well, I like your idea of either going to the NFL or going to high school. Go coach high school. He'd be a great high school coach, probably. If he studied it all in school, too, he could be a teacher. He could teach history. You know, that would be an interesting lecture from Jimbo's mother was a teacher. <laughs> she was a chemistry you, you teacher. Would, you would never but get yeah. the answer. So the most important yeah. thing that the president said was, yeah, you know, in the time, yeah. in the time. <laughs> I, can, no. uh, I can almost, oh, my God. Guys, Lord. like I always say, the most important thing, the dollar, you think a dollar, <laughs> is, is, you know, a dollar was worth a lot. A dollar was worth a lot in those days. Well, what did the president say in 1842, Jimbo? Well, hang on now. Yeah, hang yeah, on. We got to go back to the dollar. dollar. Yeah. Jeff Wasn't Cameron, even a bill. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chan TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Warchat TV. Good to be with you. Good to be here on a Balls Big Wednesday where things are just humming along. And I'm not nervous at all about Saturday's game. I am curious just as to how many plays the starters will be in this weekend. It's funny to listen to Mike say what all coaches have to say, but don't always mean. Which is this idea that, um, hey, you got to press on. I want to see no let up. <laughs> There's going to be let up, guys. That happens week to week in college football, but it's especially true when you're playing North Alabama, and this is not like Jacksonville State. It's not the same. So I can only imagine that um, this is a real question. You want to know who's been beat up? You want to see who out there this weekend has had the toughest time dealing and playing through Whatever it is, right? Twisted ankles, bone bruises, sore shoulders, you know, banged up elbow. Whatever. How quickly do each of those starters come off the field? How quickly do they – I mean, especially now – so Jordan Travis is a good example. Senior day, you know, that is an opportunity to put up huge numbers. So if you think he's a Heisman candidate at this point, would you let him out there to – to bolster the numbers. It doesn't matter that people would say, well, it was against North Alabama. At the end of the day, you know, a lot of these voters just look at the numbers. So he has a chance to throw for 500 yards if you leave him out there. But you're playing for something so much bigger than a Heisman Trophy that he's really not going to win, period. So to me, how quickly does Jordan Travis come off the field? Is it halftime, Tom? Is it the end of the first quarter? Obviously, your answer is going to be, what's the score? But if they're up... If they're up 21 to nothing and it's evident that this is a team that has nothing for you, you know, this is a, I, you also got to go back. If you really want to dive into this as a fan, you can pretty much decipher how this is going to play out. Go look at the participation chart. See who's played in how many games of the younger players. Have they reached their maximum, their threshold of four? How many options do you have? How many players can you play 
without surpassing that number of four games, having played in already and burned their redshirt. So you'll know what's the depth chart. Well, this kid's already played in four games, and he hasn't played in the last two. They're not going to play him this weekend. This kid's played in two. He's got two more games he can play in. All right, they may play him. They may give him a ton of run. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I think the plan for Jordan is is going to be fairly straightforward, which is when we reach that time, whenever it is, and it might be a sliding scale of 24 points in the first quarter versus right. – you know, 30 points in the second, whatever it is. You let him go in for a drive for one play. You don't do it at halftime. You don't do it at a quarter break. You don't do it at drive break. You let him go in for one play. Then you bring him out. And so the fans can come to their feet and, and salute him. It's almost like a basketball when it's at the end of a game. Yeah. Senior you, call, night, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a You have a substitution on a free throw. You take a foul. So there's a free throw. He can come out, get the standing O. So I think that's when they'll do it. It'll be in the course of a drive. He might run for a play, he might hand it off, and then they pass the torch and say, well done. Uh, but I, I am interested to see a couple of players. Like, number one, I'll speak on it openly because last week I thought he was going to leave the game. And it was just before halftime, Maurice Smith going to the locker room. Yeah, that was well, disappointing. If you watch that drive before he leaves for the locker room, I think he is in distress, deep distress. There's, there's a cut-up. It's a field angle camera view, and you could see him looking at it. It might have been Meech, but he's looking at one of his fellow offensive linemen, and you can see the pain and distress he's in. He's thinking about leaving. I just don't. I think part of it is it, it, it takes too many steps to get off the field. It's too far away, the sideline, but he's making a choice about playing through injury in that moment, I feel. Now, that might get me in trouble, but he walked off the field to go to the locker room early. The look in his eyes, man, I would be surprised if Maurice plays a lot, maybe at all, this weekend. That's the dude that has been a warrior for us the last two years. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, – if I didn't have to, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play Bless Harris. Obviously, Robert Scott's been in, unable to really play at all, so there's no reason to play him here. Uh, you know, I, you could really look at a lot of those offensive linemen that have had a hard time with injuries that they're playing through and things they're dealing with. You could probably start an entire second string of your offensive line and be just fine. And, in fact, it would be fun to watch in a weird way. And then I think from there, uh, you know, Jordan's had to deal with some things. Keon's had to deal some thing, deal with some things. Johnny Wilson has. Uh, this is a chance to get – some of your other running backs, a ton of carries if you wanted to. Uh, again, Jaheim Bell has had a problem with that ankle to the point where he hasn't been at full strength. you got so many options here. I mean, this is could be this could be a Jackson West kind of day. I mean, you could have all kinds of <laughs> – Well, yes, you're right. It could be. But you notice that when we fizzled in the red zone in one possession the second half, he's in there and he misses two assignments. Yeah. So like, we were clearly backed up a tight end in that moment that uh, your fifth dude's coming off. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't think Preston Daniel played. Like you actually could have used him in that situation. So that's, uh, yeah, I'd, I never think longingly about that. So I didn't pay attention. But you, you might be right. Uh, this could be a big Preston Daniel day. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, you mean defensively? There's some guys that have been dealing with some things. Uh, there's a there's a chance you see a ton of names that you have not grown familiar with this weekend, and that'd be the right thing to do. Yeah, if you look at, and, and this is one of my favorite things to look at on Sundays, is when Gene puts out the pro football focus uh, grades on on the boards, it's the snap count. They give you the snap count. Like, that's the number one thing, 
is because when you're in the throes of watching the game, you're like, ooh, Keandre's yeah. in. Yeah. Or ooh, Darius in left tackle. I Bless started at left tackle. Where's Bless? And then you go back the next day and you say, How many snaps did that dude play? I remember watching Kalen Deloach come off in the second half of the game. And and uh he he was either hold it was it was like he was clearly coming off because he was in discomfort. You couldn't really tell what he was grabbing at. So I wanted to see what his snap count was, and it was a hell of a lot lower than Tatum Bethune's. So I wouldn't be surprised just judging by that and looking at the snap counts if Kalen gets a breather this weekend. He absolutely you know? should because you think about what they're going up against, not this Saturday, but next. That Florida offense is pretty good. And they have a real running back and a star wide receiver and a decent quarterback and an offensive line that's big and physical. Where you have a distinct advantage over Florida is the fact that obviously, you know, they don't they don't stop anybody. So, you know, you can win a shootout there, and you may have to, but you're going to have to be physical in order to slow down the Florida offense. I'm not telling you it's God's gift to offenses. I am telling you that it's not been bad. They can move the ball, and they have some real talent there. So my point would be your linebackers are going to have to be good. They're going to have – because Florida gashes you on the ground. If you're, if you're not coming up and tackling, if you're not run-fitting in the right spots, you, you can get hurt by them. ATN's good. So I, I would be – yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if your starting linebackers get a lot of rest in this game and we see a lot of Blake, right? I mean, and some others. Uh, the, the, a ton, actually. Yeah, I mean, they trusted him with reps earlier in the season. Maybe he's at three. I haven't looked, but that's just a guess. I mean, because he was in the rotation earlier and, and he hasn't been, so what gives there? But, I, yeah, I would play him a ton. And, and this is also gets back to if you do what you're supposed to do on the field and you check the boxes, and let's say you can make a, a substitution for Jordan in the first half, you give Tate, a, you know, until halftime. Let's say it's the beginning of the second quarter. You give Kate, Tate till halftime. Oh, and then from there, who's next? Well, who's next off the bench? Yeah, I'm really interested uh, to find out where we're at with the Brock Glenn situation. Now, people don't know, you know, Brock got hurt. That's obvious Brock got hurt in the one appearance that he made but the fact that he got in and was playing the way that he was it was interesting we were all beginning to contemplate whether or not he had surpassed Tate as a guy he had had such a good camp and we were excited about watching him there have been some opportunities where he could have been in but he hasn't been in it's only been Tate so you know at this point if he's back healthy and able to give it a go do they go to him in a game like this you certainly could and you would want to you would want to could be a big, big Saturday for Vendravius Jacobs. Uh, if he's got his head on right and he's been practicing well and he's been doing all the things that they need him to do, he could have a huge day. A kid like that could light it up in a game like this. Yeah, and um, it's just like you say about watching NFL head coach press conferences. If you're looking for a diamond in the rough, mm-hmm. you know, for fantasy purposes or DFS or whatever. You know, Mike has brought up Vandravius' name a couple of times in the last mm, Yes, weeks. he has. He brought him up in Monday's press conference about he got two reps, and one of them was a block to help spring Keon, and I told him that was very important. And it was great to see Vandravius make a play against Pitt the week before. Yeah, I mean, it, Mike chooses to bring names up very carefully. Very carefully. Oh, so yeah, I, it's I all intentional, and it's smart, and it's usually motivational to some extent. It's It's him seeing signs of a kid trying to meet him halfway. And he wants to he wants to foster that. He wants that kid to come on, man. You're close. You're close. You're not quite there yet. I'm gonna bring you up. I'm gonna bring you up. Meet you halfway here. Let you know that I see you working. Maybe this is a chance. Maybe this is an opportunity. Uh, by the way, if he 
he's right and he plays hard and he is in the game. He is fun to watch. So if you if you see him out there, watch closely. It should be should be cool. Uh, all right, that's it. That's all. Good work out of you guys. We do have the interactive tonight, Tom. Are we are we six thirty seven o'clock? What are we tonight? We are six thirty p.m. Nicely done. PM. How about that? All right. So tonight, folks, the interactive uh, JCS. We hope to see you there at six thirty on Warchant TV. We'll take your questions and have a good time. Uh, good work. Go go rest, sir, and get better. Feel better. And thank you, Director Matthew, as always, to all of you guys. Peace. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.